from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that make us go wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm Fenton Bailey, uh, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. And editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. Where'd he go? Oh, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Hello. Wait, do that again. I'm sorry, one more time. I just, one more time. Sorry. One and, take, Charlie, one take. And Blake, leave this in. It's always the best stuff. And the editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. That's me. That is. This is the first episode of December. We have only four more shows uh, for 2022. Where did 2022 go? I, I'm still in 2019. I don't understand what happened. This is insane. We're going to count down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week. We're starting at number 10, I think. Tom. Number 10. Okay. I just got back from New York. I was there for the Thanksgiving week. And I was on a Broadway binge. Surprise, saw, surprise, surprise. I saw, I think, six shows altogether. Was there with my friend Johnny. Saw a high school friend, Jill, I haven't seen since high school, who lives in New York City. So I had a blast. I had dinner at the Hans. It was all lovely. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be greedy as usual and cram in um, three shows in this segment that I saw. Can and I ask first- you quickly, did you oh. see two shows a day? Like, did you see more than one show a day? Tuesday, I saw a show. Wednesday, I saw two shows. Thursday, it was off. Friday, I saw one show. Saturday, I saw two shows. Oh, wow. That's serious. Yeah. God serious bless XM. You. Um, the first show I want to talk about is I saw Funny Girl with Leah Michelle. Wait, 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 you had seen it before with, with, um, with Beanie Feldstein. Yeah. I see, when I went through my emails, it was in May, I saw it, and then again in November. And with all due respect to Miss Beanie Feltz, you know, I've said day one is an incredibly talented star on the rise, miscast for this. And mm-hmm. Leah Michelle. I also went to, like, every, I'm reading all these things. I was like, oh, my God, standing ovations. She's so good. And I came to break that. I came to knock that theory down. And can I tell you, oh, my God, Leah Michelle's so good. It's, it's, and the other thing, everyone questioned, like, why are we even doing this old sl- sleepy play? It's because it is. By its definition and origin, it's a star vehicle. And Leah Michelle is a Broadway star, the, the not only in her talent and her acting, and I have to say, and I hope she's taken a turn for the good, but the behind-the-scenes gossip about how she's kind of been canceled and this is potentially her redemption, it made it all that much more bittersweet. So when she sings, she would just make everyone applaud and scream, and then she'd have to hold for a little bit longer, and she'd have that little, like, ah, you really like me kind of, like, energy moment. And it was it was really sweet. So is it's it's Tova, who's the other one who replaced Jane Lynch, is also good. I can't remember her last name. Forgive me. Tova Felcher, it. yeah. Zoe Felcher plays the mother. She's wonderful. She brings energy to everything. And Blake, look this up for me while we're talking. But the man who plays um, Nikki Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein, who's the same. Nikki Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein. Yes. And his name is like Carmelou. He's the sexiest motherfucker in the world. And he and uh, Leah Michelle have chemistry. Because that's the other thing that the show is all based on this one unlikely romance. And you want to believe that they want to like do it all the time. And you do. Okay, there's that one. I also saw a very experimental theater production of You Will Get Sick. 
which was so refreshing because it didn't really come together, but it was brilliantly staged as the roundabout theater production. And the reason I went and the reason I would encourage people to go, even though it's kind of weird, is Linda Lavin at age 85. Wow. And she doesn't come across 85. She This is a part that can be played by a 40-year-old. It's an eccentric actress who's in New York and sort of talks to herself. What was she the does... other Linda Lavin thing that you saw? Didn't you see like a Wendy Wasserstein thing with her a couple of years ago? Wasn't there um, the allergist wife or something? Or, yes, the uh, allergist wife. That was it. Yeah. Yes. And then last, and again, I, I can't do them all. I, I would recommend all these. I saw Terrence McNally's uh, somewhat bio- biographical Leopoldstadt, which is two solid hours. You know, Terrence McNally found out much later in life that he had Jewish heritage. And this is so- sort of based on a fictionalized, but like his family tree from 1890 to after uh, the war, World War II. And it's really detailed and beautiful, long, but oh my God, the ending ends with, you know, we, we fall in love with all these characters and then we sort of have a reading of the family tree by this relative who's British and didn't know he's Jewish. And it's like, Rosie so-and-so, Auschwitz, you know, Auschwitz. They're preaching the converted, but oh my God, it rattles your bones to know how much it personalizes the loss from the Holocaust. Um, so... I recommend them all. And I was so happy even because even when I'm in the theater since COVID, especially, even if it's not a hundred percent there, I'm in the theater. I'm with people. I, the only thing I would say is Broadway theaters, the seats are so small and people are so close. It seems made for COVID anxiety. Uh, a lot of people don't wear masks. I do. Some of the productions made you wear a mask. I had, um, explosive i had i had a case of explosive diarrhea no. which made me have to, it made me have to leave uh, in the middle of the first act of another play i'll get to uh, in the middle and go across i was sitting in the middle fourth row and the, instead of going back to my seat i watched from the back of the house and can i just tell you i think from now on i'm gonna buy really cheap seats because it's kind of fun to watch a play from way back far so i think I'm and you're standing up right in those standing yeah, seats i was standing so to your point because i get I bigger glad to hear that you managed to get out of there before <laughs> oh it's that calculation i don't even, baby. I don't even know why we're going there i don't even know i think it's taken a right turn all right well let's <laughs> move on once you uh, mention poo oh. once you mention poo rip fenton is off and running and we'll never get to the end of it <laughs> part one of tom's broadway binge we'll come back for more let's move on to number nine james number nine number nine i want to talk about tim burton's uh wednesday adams the netflix series that i binged over the long weekend everyone's Um, talking about the show everyone is talking about this show it follows a teenage wednesday adams at her uh she goes to the nevermore academy a boarding school for spooky ooky uh teenagers there's vampires and werewolves and sirens and and uh gorgons and it's a weird because you know she's always just been sort of a goth girl with a weird sense of humor but they had to make her have visions and be witchy in order for it to make any sense why she's there the script and the plot are just okay it's um very scooby-doo there's a monster in the woods who is killing taking plucking off uh, students one by one but she's on the case and she's trying to figure it out what saves it is jenna ortega who is a star she you cannot take your eyes off of her she is so luminous there's um i read something that she and tim burton um 
decided that whenever she's on camera, she's not going to blink. And she doesn't blink once over the eight episodes. And just those big eyes that don't blink. It is so mesmerizing to see. What? That's so interesting because you made us watch that sequence, right? That choreography sequence. Yes. And I thought something's really weird about this. Like, yes. why am I watching this? And the blinking, you're right. My gosh, the blinking. <laughs> it just makes her, it makes her look like a keen painting is what it does. It's so, <laughs> it's so interesting to see her. Uh, she, she, that dance sequence that you just talked about is so instantly memeable. It is all over TikTok and, and, you know, Twitter and Instagram. It is so good. Catherine Zeta-Jones is fabulous as Morticia and Luis Guzman is Gomez and they just have cameos in the beginning and at the end it's like it's it's like they i don't even know but then uncle fester is fred amison and he's he's oh. very funny he gets a whole episode and thank god for thing running around the whole time you know the hand um it's you know her outfits are fantastic she's beautiful it's just there's so much candy in it for you that i definitely even if the plot is a little silly oh and gwendolyn christie um is the the headmistress from brienne of tarth from game of thrones and she is you know she's like 10 feet tall and she's just she is like a tilda swinton to me she's just fantastic hmm. so that's your netflix pick yes netflix pick of the week right, excellent um number eight number eight Balenciaga. saga oh here we Balenciaga. go saga that's it. That's all I got. Just the pun alone. I'm done. Thank you. No. Okay. Because I've got some things that I want to talk about with this. Well, okay. So in a nutshell, November 16th, right? They launched Balenciaga gift shop showing fluffy bears with black eyes, fishnets, leather harnesses uh, held by kids. And that immediately went straight to Fox News and they all freaked out. Tucker Carlson talks about mm, grooming, uh, grooming, grooming. We're grooming the kids. There you go. Right. Oh, it's the pedophile. Yes, they're coming for the, to the children. Five days later, a totally separate Balenciaga campaign, the Guard Robe campaign, featuring in this case Isabel Hubert, Hubbard, I mean, in an office situation with a feet up on the desk with a you know $3,000 bag. But under the bag, a document that is a Supreme Court ruling about child porn. Yes. And so, oh, and also a couple of prop books. There was a um, artist, the Cream yeah. Master Cycle by Matthew Barney and the Belgian painters Michael Borrowman's. Oh, I didn't know who, the Cream Master was in there. I didn't know Barney was in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and this painter depicts kids in playful but mysterious acts. With, the, with their arms chopped off and covered in blood and things yes, like that. That yes. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, James, oh. what, I mean, okay. it's such an extreme. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you said, James, I'm glad you're giving me an opening here. Because, you know, like you said, the, the Fox News machine went into overboard. Right-wing right. Twitter, which is, is unregulated now since Elon is there. The echo chamber gets louder and louder and louder with the fringe and the crazies. And all you have to do is just say, I saw Goody Kardashian behind the shed with the devil. And people are off and ready to, you know, right, say right. witch trials. You know, um, do I believe that the people behind Balenciaga are pedophile Satanists? No. No. I, I I don't believe that for a second. Anyone I think really? I mean, 
No, no, no. I think they are silly fashion people who (laughs) try too hard to be dark and edgy and goth and shocking. I think uh, I I understand the urge to be subversive and transgressive and to push boundaries, which is what they think that they're doing. But by God, people read the damn room. okay? because in the 90s, being subversive and everything was was celebrated. We are in a very conservative time right now where I said that the echo chamber is getting louder and louder and louder. And the cancel culture, like I say, it's coming for you. It, it, no matter what, it, what you do, it will come to you and don't invite it. You know what I'm saying? And right now, you think that now is the perfect time to be edgy and dark and goth and subversive, but it isn't because we have flown past the 50s. We have flown past Victorian times. We are now in the middle of the Protestant Revolution, okay? And we are okay. headed towards the, the Spanish Inquisition is what's coming next. I love next. this 50,000 foot view. I, I totally agree with that. But is it possible that this was just accidental? No, like, no, 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 document, no, 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 no. The documents no, no. in the office came from a prop house. It wasn't like they were curated documents. They were just but, like but, a but, box but, of but documents. The, you can't have, uh, it, it's like say, it's like saying that whatever happens on Drag Race is completely accidental and it's just everybody shows up and, and the camera starts. No, I mean, things are, you have to, you have to build the sets. You have to have everybody agree on what it is. You have to have everyone, you know, you have to, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting about what the theme is, what the, what the look is going to be, what the, what the, this, who the people are like nothing happens on accident on a fashion shoot thank you james for dragging drag race's name into this conversation continue continue (laughs) i know i know i know i know i mean Uh, and do we think that the i mean i was a little okay i mean i think you put the two things together if you conflate them it's more problematic than if you look at them individually in the sense of a silly handbag with a teddy bear in a now, what, yeah, is, yeah. what is the big deal? It, right? it, it I mean, isn't a big deal. But like I said, what, what's happening on Twitter since right. Elon Musk has taken over is that the fringe voices who used to have 10 or 15 followers and 10 or it, all of that, you buy that, you buy the check. Everyone is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's you don't have the guardrails on it like you used to. And social media has just become unhinged. And you have one person saying is satanic and it gets picked up by Fox News, where Fox News wouldn't have ever seen that before. But mm-hmm. it keeps getting amplified. And so you have these little fringe people saying, it's Satan, hide the children, cancel everybody. And all of a sudden it, you have a, a million views. Tom? I hope something good comes out of all this and that good could be, I'm speaking now as James' agent, um, that James has a show on MSNBC an hour every night that's called Read the Room, where he just <laughs> yells at people and tells them how to probe and goes, read the room. And then they're like, <laughs> that the best idea for a show ever? Come on. I love, it. I, I love also calling RTR. It just sounds more sort of happening. RTR. JSJ, RTR. <laughs> read the room. A couple of little tidbits. I mean, I think there's more to come from this story. Uh, Balenciaga's filed a $25 million lawsuit against the production house and uh, the um, the set designer. Um, by the way, who the set designer who who did the disco horse on uh, Beyonce's Renaissance, mm-hmm. which was uh, there you go. Oh, Beyonce and the Illuminati are part of this as well. There you go. But it you know, does feel, Tom, very Illuminati, QAnon, everything swirling together. There is an apocalyptic aspect, I would say, to a lot of the stories 
but, but uh, interestingly, you, know, you get the feeling that it's a tit for tat yin yang situation where Balenciaga um, canceled Kanye, and all of a sudden the right wing is now canceling Balenciaga. Like you get the feeling that it's sort of a, a retribution. Kim is reevaluating her relationship. Yes. Kim Kardashian is reevaluating. Yeah. I suppose that translates as not doing anything in particular. You know what I say to Kim Kardashian? Read the room with James St. James. <laughs> hey, I will tell you that Tongue Tied premieres December 6th only on Wow Presents Plus. Tongue Tied is hosted by Pangina Heels, contestant from Drag Race vs. UK versus the World, and of course also the host of Drag Race Thailand. And this is the spiciest talk show on the planet because... Every episode, Pangina invites a special guest, Jujubee, Cheryl Hall, Angina, to dine with her at a uh, Thai restaurant. And uh, the questions get spicier and spicier, as does the food. Hey. Will Pangina's guests be able to handle the heat, or will they get tongue-tied? Wait, did you, did you write that? Who wrote that? Did you write that for yourself? <laughs> that wasn't me. That, that wasn't me. It was a group effort. Blake did the first <laughs> one, and then I tweaked it. I love it. <laughs> we'll take a break. And speaking of Blake, here he is with a question. Yep. And this week they're all about piss, queens. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. I found this question on one of those Today I Learned posts, you know. And this one came from BoardPanda.com. Today I learned that a street lamp in this city was so corroded by urine that it snapped and fell, crushing a nearby car. <laughs> what city is it? Oh, thank you for that fascinating question. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I am Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. Um, the Wow Report is now called RTR. Read the room. <laughs> And I have a piss question for you. Yeah, right. RTR, Blake. <laughs> Today I learned that a street lamp in this city was so corroded by urine that it snapped and fell, crushing a nearby car. What city is it? I saw the most people urinating in the street when I was in Tokyo, Japan in the 80s. It's funny because I was going to say I've seen the most people urinating in the street in Edinburgh, it, like all those ginger boys pissing everywhere. But that's not what I'm going to say. Fenton, you tell us yours. It could only be Paris. No, I'm going to say it's Boston. Boston feels like a city where everyone's pissing on a on a. It's a real pissa. It's a real pissa in Boston. It's a pissa. I mean, those are all good guesses, but you're all wrong because oh. it's San Francisco, of course. Oh, that makes you sense can't too. Walk down the street without stepping in human shit. Well, also, I imagine that there's lots of uh, piss play happening, like on Folsom Street. Oh my God. Read the room, you guys. We're I left my piss in San Francisco. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow. Night reached number seven. Number seven. My Broadway binge continues. First, thank you, Blake. I just want to say the the, the incredible actor, singer, performer, and sexier than can be uh, guy who plays Nikki Ornstein in Funny uh, Girl from the previous thing is Ramin Carmenlou. Ramin Carmenlou. James, Google it. You know, I will put that. I'll put that under my hat. Googling All right. As we speak. I also saw a preview of the new Mark Shame and Scott Whitman musical, Some Like It Hot. The oh. Marilyn Monroe, uh, you know, Very farce. Curtis, uh, Jack Lemon, yeah. 
Yes, and Chris Burrell is in it, who's such a wonderful, like, star of Broadway. I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong. And they, you know, it's about drag and mistaken gender identity. And, you know, it's, I went in with a lot of questions, like, how are they going to modernize this and make it okay? And you know what? They did a good job. They, they, uh, the the two lead character guys, one's white, one's black. The, uh, the honey, the, is it honey? The honey, Honey, the honey character. Uh, she is a beautiful uh, a black actress with incredible voice. I can't remember his name. I'm talking. Is it, wait, is it still set in the 50s or is it modern? It's set in the 30s as it was before. Oh, oh yeah, okay, it's yeah, the yeah. End of prohibition. The music is incredible, and they. I'm not going to spoil this one, but they made some subtle twist that made it more modern. Uh, some of the cast might might embrace their new persona more than than they did in the movie. Although, remember in the movie, it's the best last line well, ever. I was just going to ask if they included the famous last line. Did they? They made it a song. The, la- the, the last thing is is um, 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 Tony Curtis is dressed up like as a woman, and he's he, he's this, this incredibly eccentric millionaire has fallen in love with him, and he keeps trying to escape, and at the end, they're in a boat, and like the, 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 the straight lead and the straight woman, they go off together, and then he, he dresses a woman. Tony Curtis is in a boat with the millionaire who still thinks he's a woman, and he goes, I have to tell you the truth. I'm not really a woman. I'm a man. And the, and the, the smitten in love man goes, well, nobody's perfect, which is just the best line ever. So the, in this thing, it's like, you're perfect just the way you are. And they sing a song, nobody's perfect. So, so it's, okay, it's really fun to see. The, the second thing, and I'll do it quickly, is I went to see, again, an, another cast, same production of Little Shop of Horrors, which is on 2019, which my oh, friend Johnny had never seen Little Shop of Horrors. What? It's such a good musical. It's every word, oh, every nuance, every syllable suddenly see more and it, and it makes you it makes you feel like yeah is this the one I saw where the person in the audience projectile vomited yes. over everybody yes okay. oh wait because I was just going to ask has Nolan seen it yet his, his, yes his... Nolan did and Elliot and we went in the summer and oh. the person in front of us projectile vomited over everybody right okay because Elliot is the one that I always think will is, is going to be a big horror Buff, For he? people yes, just tuning please, in, I please. want to recap explosive sorry, diarrhea, sorry. pissing in the street, and uh, and and and, and, pub, and projectile. Uh, it's uh, a very Rabelaisian episode. Yes. And Satan, Satan pederasts. Last but certainly not least, I saw the production of Take Me Out, which oh. is the uh, Tony Jesse Tyler Ferguson's in it. He won the Tony. And Jesse and, Owens, and, no, and, and Jesse Williams. Is and that was the favorite controversy because Jesse Williams' very extra large penis. There were pictures that leaked. Well, what they don't tell you, what people are afraid to tell you, but we we aren't afraid to tell you here in the report is you see several penises and several botoxes. They and they drip it in. They get used. They normalize it for you. First mm-hmm. act, there's just somebody going on. People are clothed and talking, and then and somebody comes in, bus, you know, naked. Everything looks fine. It's all you know, yummy, fine. He comes and he goes. Says his dialogue goes. Second act, huge shower shower scene, water falling on people, the entire cast except Jesse Williams. And thank God, when people are saying their lines, they face out. And when they aren't saying their lines, they turn around. Because if everyone were facing out, you would not hear anything. Because you're just like... I actually went to see this way off Broadway in WeHo 10 years ago. And I care less about baseball but me and my friend heard that it had a lot of dick in it, so a big, a lot of big bats. And I have to say that, um, and, and the last, the, the last scene is the pivotal scene. Jesse Williams has a uh, 
a scene with another guy they're in conflict and they have it out in the shower and when he takes off his towel there is not a dry how dry eye a dry anything in the house i mean it's just remarkable it's just it's just a beautiful thing You're saying and it's a moving moment then it was moving it was oh. art his arching it was it was it was gorgeous um i enjoyed it all it's funny how we're not used to it oh and here's my only other observation you know again telling too much about myself this is so dirty this week but you know back in the 80s when we didn't have safe places to congregate as gay people, sometimes you there'd be tea rooms, restrooms where people would sort of flirt with you by wagging their thing. And I always thought, because I think people that are like the actors in this production, people who go to tea rooms are are predisposed to already have a large penis because they, they know it's going to gain attention. So I don't think we saw a full range of penis sizes. I think we saw large to extra large it was, it was like qvc i feel like we got into 2x 3x 4x we got very well, don't you think very there's large. a behind this behind the scenes documentary of the casting process for this where you just you, you or just the backstage fluffing like what happened you know we've talked about <laughs> I that. Think that i think that's an episode of will and grace where jack and karen really <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I have a question. Well, which which play was the one that you had explosive diarrhea in? Uh, take me out. I was. I, I didn't. I didn't have it, but it was coming, and I was in the fourth row in the middle. I had great seats. I'm trying to impress my so friend. Basically, Johnny. it I, looks like you had to run to the bathroom to masturbate. Is what everyone thought <laughs> as you were racing out with a pervert. God, you perv. <laughs> Guilty as charged. All right. Well, let's, uh, things are holding up here. Let's move on to number six. Number six. Number I'm six, cool White Lotus, White oh. Lotus, White Lotus. I want to revisit White Lotus because the last time we talked about it, about a month ago when it when season two premiered, I was like, I don't like it. Uh, it's not as good as the first season. It doesn't have the bite. Well, I am here to tell you that I was wrong, that you two, that Fenton and Tom were right, that this is the most fabulous TV show on the air right now. I can't get enough of it. I am counting down the minutes till Sunday night comes around. Every single character, every single plot line, I am right there. I just want to go down the, the list a little bit. The hookers are my girls. I love them more than life itself. Good guy, Albie. I think that he's probably not such a good guy after all, and he might end up snapping and being one of the killers. I think Theo James and Will Sharp, I just want them to fuck. When he said that in, in episode four, when he was like, I want to be inside of you, I want to make you happy, I absolutely died. I couldn't stop thinking about it for days and days and days. I think that poor lesbian receptionist, she just breaks my heart. I just Valentina. I Valentina. Valentina, yes. I think Aubrey Plaza is probably one of the greatest living actresses of our time. I oh, think she's that... a national treasure. I think everything she does, everything she wears. Just everything. to remind you, it was all one notey last time you talked about this. He's apologized deeply. He's apologized. I'm apologizing. I know, I know. I just, but, but I, how stop harping on it. I've given you your apology. I called you out by name. Stop making me feel bad. I'm, I, I'm giving it so up to influential you. influential in my life. No. But when you say something, it sits in my brain. I start thinking about it. And I've been thinking, 
mm, it's really good, but she is a bit one notey, don't you think? Nope, nope, nope. I've no. changed my mind. I her scenes with Daphne with the uh with the other girl, who oh. is just the girl boss. She is just no. so fucking cool. Yeah. Can you I, speculate? A, yeah, sorry. I, uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, okay. I think um poor Jennifer Coolidge. You know that those queens are taking advantage of her. Yes. That boy from Essex. The minute he opened his mouth, I was like, that is a hustler. He is. He is. He is. <laughs> up to no good um that that porsche girl just the worst dressed person on television i just every outfit of hers i just want to <laughs> rip it off her and tell her stop it just stop it like she's and that's just, from james st james people i did see vogue yesterday on instagram or twitter or something was yeah. saying that they have meetings about her outfits in the office with everybody saying is it like is it good is it what people do is it realistic or is it just awful um i also want to say that um i i think that um the boy from essex and one of the hookers are gonna die that's who do you guys think is gonna the die? boy from essex is the sexiest thing oh. i've ever seen on the small screen i mean everything out every word out of his mouth oh. it's, it's like it's so seductive but is he really the nephew? No, of... no. Did you see no! the last episode? <laughs> did you see the last episode, Fenton? Yes, James, I certainly did. Well, obviously, he's a rent boy who's been who's the being well, introduced. I, mean... I remember introducing people. This is my cousin, or this is you know, <laughs> like you know, it's like Bruce Wayne introducing my ward, you know, Dick Grayson. <laughs> Girl, that I love the boy. opera scene when they take Tanya to the opera. And is that the Queen of Sicily? Oh, Tom Hollander is like, give him every possible award. Make some <laughs> oh, new so ones. Good. Absolutely. So good. This is what I love. This is the White Lotus big picture, which is, you know, at one time, it's a comedy, most of all. It's a dark comedy. Mm. And remember when Sex in the City revolutionized everything in its time? It's problematic now, but like, it had conversations we never had before. It came up with phrases. It examined the single life and, and the city life. This is a study yeah. of relationships and couples and sex like we have never seen before. And it's not a laugh track comedy, but it is a 100% farce comedy. I love it. With it, is, it is the, the, the white privilege rich one percenters just destroying every place they go and just being insensitive and and fucking with each other it is just everything that is wrong actually you know what it is james it's the but, great gatsby That's i can see exactly, that isn't it rich yeah. people just destroying everything themselves and everyone and else you have, you have like the bad concert. decision after another you you have like a Tom character with the, with the staff like looking on and seeing just being horrified by the actions of these just gauche vulgar you know. Well, last year it was the hotel concierge that died. So this year, yeah, who will? It can't be. It, it's not the uh, vapid wife because they're not so vapid, vapid wife. Oh, do you think that? The, those are her trainer's kids that she showed the picture of? No, well, that's that that? just it. Cause, yeah, because she said, you know, my blonde-haired, blue-eyed trainer, and then she showed a picture of a blonde-haired, blue-eyed child. Yes. Of course, I totally didn't get that. Someone had to explain that to me afterwards. But I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. yes, wow. That's totally. what she was saying. Get yourself, you know, another life and get yourself, you know, keep your life, but you can have this, the side thing and be perfectly happy. And we're not alone. I think the viewership went up 28% last week. Somehow everyone knew it was the best show. Because <laughs> well, it opens say... with that ass shot and it ends with the with the doggy style. I mean, they just went through balls to the wall, literally. But I think we can all agree that when the British gays showed up, the rich British gays 
the series went into overdrive. Yeah. I think it was idling a little bit somewhat before that point. Well, All right, Fenton, would... we give it up to the rich British gays. Yeah, once rich again. British thank people. You, Everything gets better when the rich Brit shows up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Uh, that is the White Lotus streaming on HBO. Um, number five. Number five. Ouchie at Gucci. Another incredible headline, and I've got nothing more to say. No, I, I'm joking, of course. Uh, Alessandro Michel, the designer of Gucci, who's been there, he joined actually as a handbag designer in 2002. He's been there for like 20 years, um, just left. And I think it's extraordinary because, I mean, he has an incredible track record of what he did with Gucci. You know, I think while he was the the top designer, their revenue went from $3 billion to $10 billion. And God. then just last year, the growth was something like 13%. So, but because it's slowed and because it isn't doubling and doubling and doubling, it seems like he's been given the push. Um, and it's just an extraordinary, interesting, like it, I just feel we're in this sort of this moment of seismic shakeups and meltdowns and implosions. James, do you have an opinion about it? Um, I have not liked his reign at Gucci. I have been a very vocal, um, uh, very vocal about, about it. I think that it's um, sort of disgusting and, uh, um, uh, I, I feel that it's mocking certain things. I, I don't, and unless you are a 23 year old supermodel or a trust fund kid with the access to a billion dollars and you can buy the entire, uh, season, like you can't just buy one thing and wear it. Like it's, it ha- you have to have a whole wardrobe of Gucci. That's what I don't like about it. And it's a very specific look that only 20 somethings can wear like a 50 year old can't wear those silly outfits. Like it, you, just, you just can't do it. Um, Jared Leto looks ridiculous nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think that he did have a very singular vision and he transformed the fashion industry and he transformed the way Hollywood dresses He uh, on red carpets. He transformed how rock stars dress on the red carpet. He really did. And <clears throat> you got to give it to him. I don't think he was pushed out though. I think he has, is one of those creatives who is just like, okay, I've done it. I'm, I'm on to my next big thing. And I think we haven't heard the last of him. Um, if we're lucky, he, was, he may end up selling Sherpa hoodies on QVC. Well, he, I, I think he's going to, I do think there, there is another act for him because he is so beloved by those, by the, the, the crowd that he, you know, gave billions of dollars of clothes to. I, I just think it's fascinating because he did those amazing shows. He did that show last year on Hollywood Boulevard. Well, and right? remember, remember how my problem with that was that they Hoover vacked all the homeless people off of Hollywood Boulevard because they didn't want the Hollywood one percent to see what homeless people look like. And it was just sort of like it reminded me of when Giuliani would do that periodically sweep the homeless people off the street so that the tourists couldn't see what, you know, what mm. was really going on. Well, I I'm found sure it disgusting. Right that he has many successes yet ahead of him. But it was still a very dramatic, surprising move, I felt. Let's call it the implosion of the week. Implosion of the week. There you go. I think, yes, I love that. But but, but, but the difference is is that he hasn't been canceled in the way that that the other guy, whatever his name is from Balenciaga is. Denma. Denma, Denma, yeah. I think think Denma. Implosion. Implosion. Yeah, Denma is going to have trouble. I don't think uh, this guy will. 
Mm, okay. Well, we are one month away from RuPaul's DragCon UK. New queens appearing. Valentina, Raven, Carmen, Miss Fierce Alicia, Scarlet, Bobo, Prince, Vivian, Vanderpuss, Suki Doll, Kimmy Kutcher, 150 queens in all. So Incredible. snatch your tickets for the full three-day weekend, January 6th, 7th, 8th at RuPaul'sDragCon.com. We'll be right back after the break, but Blake, you have a question? I do. It's another piss question. Hmm. One Tree Hill actress slash country singer, Jana Kramer, says what actor ghosted her after smelling her asparagus-smelling pee? Oh, well, thank you, Blake. Um, we'll think about that. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report here on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report. Spencer here with James and Tom and Blake. Yep, I have a question. One Tree Hill actress slash country singer Jana Kramer says what actor ghosted her after smelling her asparagus smelling pee? Now you all roll your eyes, but this was huge news like a week ago. In 2002? <laughs> no, no, last week, James. Um, I, it's got to be like Chad Michael Murray or one of the, the One Tree Hill boys, right? Mm-mm. No, James okay. Vanderbeek. Mm-mm, nope. Were they in a relationship? They dated. They had a couple of dates. and Until he smelled her pee. And then he said, no, no more of this. And the reason this came up is because it was Chris Evans, who People Magazine just named oh. Sexy. This was like before they were, before he was famous, you know. Maybe she, maybe she's telling herself it was the asparagus tinged pee. But maybe it was something else. Maybe she's not in touch. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. Let's go on to number. No, we four. haven't heard who. It was Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Chris Evans has asparagus pee. Yes, we just had a whole section about Chris Evans. With, who, who, with, and Chris Evans was with a guy who wouldn't date him anymore because of his pee. A lady. Oh, oh! Uh, I'm afraid I haven't been paying attention. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know what's not. going on. Yeah. I have no idea what's happening. I, I would say that's been true for about four weeks now, James. Shape up or ship out. It's okay. Whenever you start talking, I start like bling, 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 bling. <laughs> We have been counting down the top 10 things. Just as a reminder for James, we've been counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow. And we've reached number four. Number four. Hey, James, I'm Tom Campbell. We've been doing this show for a few years and we work together. Hi. Um, in New York, uh, I took a break from my Broadway binge. I was there with my friend Johnny. We stayed, I stayed as his guest at the Knickerbocker. We get a room with, with twin beds so because we, we're friends from college, so we get to talk into the wee hours in the morning. I made him watch two documentaries that I've already seen, which I still recommend. Summer of Soul, that incredible documentary, right, yeah. and I also the two-part Laurel Canyon, both amazing. But one day I couldn't get the other uh, Hulu to work or whatever. So I found on Netflix, which I'm newly joined back to, I found a documentary about David Foster from 2019. It's called mm -hmm. Off the Record. And this is, what it, this is what it reminded me. Now, David Foster's music career is amazing. And this documentary lets you know it. You know, he, he produced Barbara Streisand's Broadway album. He produced Whitney Houston. I, I'll always love you. He, you know, resurrected Chicago. He discovered Celine Dion. He discovered Josh Groban. He discovered Michael Bublé. And I'm missing huge swaths. He's just like, the amount of input and success he's had in his career is incredible. 
but here's the real takeaway. It's a, it's a, it's a Canadian production. I think Crave did it. And it starts off with him walking down the hall. He's kind of looking to his interview thing. He's like, I'm going to be in your guys' asses every step of the way. And he so clearly by the end of this, so controls the narrative of this thing, because while he's been immensely successful in his career, he has a, He's been married like four or five times. Has wait, like, wait, Yolanda is one of his, right? Yolanda. Yolanda, from- he was, is, was, is, you know, he's with Catherine McPhee now. He's Catherine with Yolanda McPhee. before that. Um, he's with um, uh, the one that married, uh, that had Brody Jenner's mother, Linda Thompson, who was with Elvis. Right, right. And he had two wives before that. And he had an illegitimate daughter. Listen, I'm not judging the guy, but, you know, it's very hard for a white man who's done women dirty for a long, 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 long time. And has been, he's like, I used to be a terrible father. And then he has like a daughter held hostage on camera going, he wasn't that bad. I got to see him at the studio. I, I can't explain it, but like it in his attempt to cover up and to manipulate the narrative, it is this crazy uh, tale about a man who is trying pathologically for lack of a better word to cover up his to to rewrite his story he also has this ongoing thing like my next stop is broadway like he so clearly did not want this to be the end of my career uh you know documentary so it's like i won't stop and you have him walking down broadway every minute every frame it's like he produced his own autobiography i think that's so interesting because when celebrities or subjects have that ability to control the documentary it, it always ends goes. up creating a portrait completely different yes. from what they think they yes. are doing. Uh-huh. But we've also talked a lot about, about the, on this show about, you know, you have to separate the art from the artist. And a lot of times people have to be horrible people in order to have these extraordinary careers. And, you know, we the career is something that should be celebrated. But you, the sacrifice you have to make to get to there to get to that right. point is just absolutely no i don't you, you almost can't have both you can't you know you can't be in the yeah. studio your whole life and and he's he's in control in the studio which he talks about you know and mm-hmm. and the only people and everyone's like he's very very tough but i love him you know it's like no one goes that was <laughs> the but the only people that talk dirt about him is he came in after chicago had their 70s hits he came in the 80s and he loved chicago and he basically reshaped chicago with um what was that uh, peter Cetera. Oh. and yeah. the band members felt totally Peter Cetera and he wrote, they felt left out and they were like a brass band and he wrote all these hit songs and they, there was no no horns in it. So they would just pretend to play keyboards on stage and they're the only ones who kind of spoke to his, you know, right. Machiavellian kind of total control. But um, he did have quite a career and we owe a lot to him musically. Uh, but it's, it is just funny to watch someone in control of their own story. It doesn't always end well. David Foster off the record. I think that's streaming on Netflix, Tom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Number three, James. Number three. I watched See How They Run on HBO Max. Uh, it's a murder mystery whodunit. If you haven't, I haven't seen The Glass Onion um, yet. I really want to. But if you've seen it and you're still in the mood for something else, like a, you know, a drawing room murder mystery, this is the one for you. It's a lovely way to spend an afternoon. Um, it stars Adrian Brody, Saoirse Ronan, Sam Rockwell, David Oyelowo. It came out about two months ago and sort of sank and never went anywhere. But I'm here to tell you that it's um, it's a pretty fun mystery. It is set in backstage at the Mousetrap uh, in the 1950s when its first run on the West End 
um, in in the 1950s, and it the original cast is are the are the characters. There's a murder backstage at the Mousetrap, and the Mousetrap, as you know, both of you, I'm sure that it is the longest running play in history. It has been playing for 70 years nonstop, except for when the pandemic happened. And famously, what happened was is that Agatha Christie, when it opened, sold the rights to Hollywood, saying that they could make the movie of Mousetrap, but they had to wait till six months after it closed in order to make it. So famously, MGM or whoever bought it has been holding on to these rights for 70 plus years. And it goes from director to director to director, uh, hundreds of them at this point, And that everybody is furious and frustrated with the mousetrap. And so what this is, is it is a nod, wink, wink, nod, nod to this is how we're going to get the mousetrap on screen because we see scene after scene after scene of the mousetrap the characters are talking about the mousetrap the plot itself mirrors the plot of mousetrap right down to the surprise ending that is you know famous for you know i'm not going to say it but that the cast every night tells you please don't say anything and the cast of this says please don't say anything blah 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 agatha christie herself is one of the characters in it there's a young actor Harris Dickinson, who plays young Richard Attenborough in it. And Harris Dickinson, I talked about a few weeks ago when I was, he starred in The Triangle of Sadness. He was the male model in that that I said was so fantastic. And if you get a chance, I want to see him become a big star because he's really good and he's really funny in this. It's not life-changing it's you'll forget about it after you've watched it but it's a good way it's a good murder mystery i love those type of drawing room you know who i'm just getting the significance of the tiger mousetrap three blind mice three blind mice oh yes there you go thank you thank you for that yes thank you james number two I think last week or week before, talked about Elliot's uh, obsession with the multi-headed shark franchise. Yes. These things go a certain way. So Elliot is now obsessed with the Sharknado franchise. And over Thanksgiving weekend, watched every single Sharknado movie. How many are there? Sharknado 1. Well, Sharknado 1 is interesting. It's good, actually. It's all right. I've seen three of them. Well... Things really get into gear with Sharknado Sharknado 3, oh hell no. And that's in Washington, D.C. And that's where, apparently, little interesting fact, Trump was supposed to play the president in Sharknado 3. Um, Usual Trump story, they approached him, he was interested, then everything went silent, they ghosted the production, and so they had to cast someone else, and they cast Mark Cuban, and Wait, weren't they going to do Sarah really Palin, though, too? Weren't they, mm-hmm. Didn't they try and get Sarah Palin as well? Yeah, they did. She said no. But they did get as the... Uh, I mean, this is interesting. They got Ann Coulter as the vice president. And Ooh. Michelle Buckman has an appearance. I mean, Ooh. there's a weird sort of right-wing thing underlying Sharknado, which is... I have of- a feeling that Ian Ziering is incredibly right-wing. He's like a Scott Bayo type, because he well, also... Right. He was on Celebrity Apprentice. Joe Rogan is in it too, right? Right. And and Zeering was in Celebrity Apprentice and and made friends with Trump. And there is a, but herein lies the thing, you know, I mean, one of the right wing things that always gets me going is that sort of that savior figure fetish they have that I alone can fix it. You know, that the idea that all problems can be solved by a superhero is a sort of fundamentally sort of 
dictatorial delusion, right? Yep. And Dane Kane, Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, sure. Mm-hmm. Tying it all together. Keep going, Fem. Oh, right, right, right. And as the franchise evolves, the, the wheels come off the bus. And this franchise becomes this sort of, Ian Ziering is in all of them, of course, as the superhero type savior figure. But by the time you reach the final Sharknado, which is a really clever title, it's called the final Sharknado, It's About Time. It's about time that it's the final Sharknado, get it? But it's also about time travel. And by the time you reach this crazy... Well, that's absolutely Oscar Wildean. It's it's, it's Sabian. <laughs> Bernard Shaw can do a better job of a, a pun like that. Rich gays, rich gays. What I'm <laughs> trying to say, James St. James, is that there is a, a, a sort of a weird sort of fantasy fulfillment that the right wing embraces craziness for all mm. its supposed mm. rationality of being the mature, sensible, conservative approach to life. It is actually delusional, conspiratorial, embraces this idea of, let's face it, a Sharknado is a is a crazy idea. It, it's a shitstorm, which is what a metaphor for the Trumpian era. And they just want to pick up a chainsaw and carve up sharks or basically yeah. carve up people. And in um, Sharknado 5, Global Swarming, uh, the tagline <laughs> for that was, make America bait again. And, <laughs> and again, I felt another marvelous moment of sort of conservative self-own because they accidentally deactivate an ancient device under Stonehenge that was protecting the world from Sharknadoes. And so when they go in and all swagger and Ian Ziering, a hero, picks the thing up, he turns off the thing that is protecting the planet from Sharknadoes, unleashing crazy time travel um, and, you know, etc. Uh, by the way, Charo plays the Queen of England in that one. Aww. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Now, interesting fact, I don't know if you know this, this came up, but there is uh, plans for a reboot of Sharknado starring James St. James. It's called Sharknado. Read the room! <laughs> I do think the franchise has to come back. And I, I was thinking, you know, Philip Glass should write Sharknado the Opera or something. You know, I think there's a highbrow version. Robert Wilson. It. Yes. Uh, there you go. Exactly. Give it to Rufus Wainwright. He can make an opera out of it. Yeah. Is there a Dragnado drag race? Uh... Well, I was going to say, Tom, Dragnado challenge. You know, <laughs> that is a good challenge, actually. And there is, to be honest, something strangely satisfying about seeing cameo roles where they come on the screen and then a shark just flies out of the sky and bites their head off. I mean, it does have a very... Well, that could that could be the rusticle this year, is that the, the drag queens are singing and then all of a sudden... Drag a shark comes and them. Yeah. Don't tell me not to live, just sitting... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Don't bite my head off. I love it. It's a, yeah. it's a bottomless pit of possibilities. Um, and, and Elliot loves these, right? He is a, a pig in mud. Yes. Absolutely loves. Loves, loves, loves. Um, let's take one more break, and then we'll come back and reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. By the way, Merry Christmas. The Frog Destroyer's new holiday song, Naughty List, is out now on all music platforms. So, one more break, and when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go wow. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Tom and Blake. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. 
And we've reached number one. Number one. I was born in 1963. If you were buying records in the 70s, if you were a teenager, preteen, or, or older, there was one band that was the epitome of cool rock and roll. They were stadium band huge, but they were just at that cusp, and it was going from art until commerce, and, and they had an album, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, and, uh, you know, so far they've all stayed with us. I mean, they've had many reunions and all, different incarnations. Stevie Nicks is on, on uh, tour with Billy Joel. But we uh, learned this week that Christine McVie, you know, from that, from that uh, Rumors album, who had the most silky, beautiful voice. She's the vocal on You Make Love and Fun um, and so many more hits. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know everything about Fleetwood Mac, but I know that that album... And those songs on that album, it's it's when it's funny when you when you turn to digital, it's like that album is like thirty four minutes long, and yet it's the album that one of the albums that changed the world. Um, yeah. What do you guys? What do you think when you heard of the news that Christy McVie passed? Well, it's it, you. You talk about the the impact of rumors and how just everybody was everybody had it. And I remember one summer we had the eight track of it, and my dad had bought a van, a seventies tricked out seventies van, and we drove to um uh disney world and then we drove to we had a ranch in mariana in north florida and it was like a 17 hour drive and we that was all we listened to until my dad was like god damn it turn that damn thing off because we just listened over we had that in the best of carly simon and rot and rolling stone some girls and but the that fleetwood mac rumors it will forever remind me of sitting in that brown van with the brown shag carpet, just listening to it over and over and over and over again. It is a moment in my childhood that, you know, it, it shaped me. I might have mentioned this before, but it was the cover of the album, the artwork that completely fixated me. What was he wearing? Those sort of dangly ball things between his legs. Yeah. I, like what? Bless my cotton socks. What were those? There's lots of uh, posts where there are outtakes from that photo shoot. I'll really? Yeah. It is. It is one of those ones that you look at it, and you know, um, who's the Stevie Nicks is in her floaty little, you know, chiffon. Right. But then your eyes just go straight to the balls, and you're like, "What? Is, what is the meaning of this?" And it was pro- it was very shocking at the time. You're right. And oftentimes there was like a band member, the bands had like one charismatic leader in the retro background. All of those individuals were stars. They all had such yeah. individual uh, uh, qualities and talents. And so at that uh, rumors felt like a greatest hits album from the day, the first time you heard it. And, and but, a super but cool those songs were so, to. those songs were so intensely personal about because the, they were all going breaking up with each other and yet they yeah. managed to put out the greatest art of their careers during the most painful part of their lives and yeah. it was you, like it was that sort of emblematic of the 70s where there was so much you know chaos and breakups and you know divorce i mean it just felt like divorce was on the rise and everybody was you know all that stuff was happening and it was just so much a perfect emblem of the times and it still stands up today i think rest in perfection christy mcveigh right yeah well thank you tom thank you james and thank you blake and thank you for listening um to another edition of the wow report and with luck same time same place next week until then go out and do something that makes the world go wow wow